Hey guys, this is Joe. Is it just me, or does the jungle make you really, really horny? What's up, guys? It's Eric. They strike you, wrap around you, hold you tighter than your true love, and you get the privilege of hearing your bones break <laughs> before the power of embrace causes your veins to explode. Close your eyes and imagine. It snakes after you this big. Your greatest nightmare. From now on, everybody stays on board. And find the shape. That's it, man. I'm getting the hell back to LA. Of all your fear. Nobody move. Back on the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's coming for you. Anaconda, rated PG-13. You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's up, Joe, besides my horrible quote read? <laughs> I mean, your accent was better than John Voight, so I'll give you that. It was. So, it was. It's a little more accurate, I feel like. I was trying to, I was trying to explain to Bree earlier like well, how bad his accent was, and I was like, he sounds like me doing a fan sp- Something I was like, no, that's actually way better than than John Boyd's Spanish. But so, uh, well, we'll get into what you, we'll get into what we're talking about. But um, how's it going? Other than that, uh, it's so as you notice, we've taken a little little slow break uploading some of the episodes. Um, the last hard drive I bought was good for a couple of weeks, then died. So it's uh, getting our made with Western Digital right now. Yeah. Um, so these are all these episodes are going to be coming out a little out of order than if we talk about current events might be a little out of date by the time you guys hear them. Uh, just yeah, be whatever. aware of that. But it's other than that though, it's going pretty good. We, uh, I think I talked about looking for Alaska last time. I finished watching that. That was really good. And I got, I got, I got to make this shout out, Eric. I know I, we can't talk about this for a second here, and I didn't get to talk, I didn't talk about it last time. But the T Swift album is so good. Oh God. <laughs> It is such a surprising like I I didn't realize like I, I never really like hated music but I never like intentionally put it on either. But man, like she works with the national uh the music from the national who is really good and she worked with Jack Antonoff from the Bleachers who's really good. And it might be the most mature album she's put out. It's like it's actually the looks are actually really good. She tells a good story with it. It's not like this like over the top pop music. It's actually pretty good. So I got to get that shout out. I don't remember because it's been a while since we recorded and I don't remember what conversations happened on air versus off air. And I've talked about Taylor Swift with other people recently, but I don't remember if I explained my whole thing with Taylor Swift. I don't have a problem with her, but it drove me crazy when that, like my first experience or memory of her was when Kanye like took the mic from her at the MTV awards or whatever it was. And everyone acted like Kanye, like, and now kind of clearly it's come out. It was kind of clear that at that point, it's even more clear. Now Kanye is a psychopath and he's kind of a jerk. So I'm not defending Kanye, but when he did that, everyone acted like he like punched Taylor Swift in the face. And she was like this like little kitten. And I'm like, he wasn't that bad. Like he did, you know what I mean? It, it, but anyway, super rude, but like, yeah, people reacted. Right. It was rude, but it, it, yeah, exactly. People overreacted. Yeah, that's right. it. We don't need to talk about Taylor Swift it, the entire, <laughs> but my, but Brie loves Taylor Swift. So that's part of why I probably have something against Taylor Swift because I'm just so sick of 
appear no, in the yeah. ladder, but if you get a chance to listen to some of her songs <laughs> on her new album because i'll tell you right now if she does this from here on out i will be totally okay with it because like her other music's like very very catered to a certain audience of like teens and this album feels like my a smart catered tour <laughs> this album feels 13 like year old girls and then my wife <laughs> her new album though feels like it's catered to like a more like adult audience which is it's a nice change for her i think <clears throat> yeah no I, I i'm sure whether i want to or not i will be i'll be hearing about it next so. time we put the go in the car together when it's <laughs> i'll, I'll well, been i figured out a way around that is we've been listening to uh podcasts when we when we drive somewhere like i we've gotten into a few true crime podcasts where and like we won't listen to them separately so like right now we're listening to one on uh the pike town murder or something like that i can't remember it's pretty good though well, I mean, it's obviously really sad, but right. it's, it's interesting. So, yeah. Are these, is this the one that you're talking about that has like a different crime each season almost? Um, I listen to I listen to some of those, but this one that we're listening to right now that we're like hooked on is is based on one specific murder. Okay. Um, where I I think we're like three episodes in or two episodes in, but basically this town in Ohio. Um, so say there's like the Smith family, this town in Ohio, they, one person discovers that walks into this family's house and finds that, you know, everyone's been killed like military execution style. So like two in the head or whatever. Well, wow. That's weird. That's sad. Right. The only people that are spared throughout the whole family are like some very young children and infants. And then they go, oh, no, this is what happened to Joe Smith. So they go to Joe's brother to tell him. They go into Joe's brother's house. That whole family executed military oh, style. Christ. Right. So there's, I think there was a total of three or four houses, each with, like, a, a few people or one of them was just one guy, but they were all killed, like, brutally. And, like, one of them, one of them was, like, the, was holding their baby in bed. And the baby's they let the baby live, but the baby, they show up and the baby's like living in this blood bath of his own. Yeah. It's crazy. Is this, so, is this a, uh, like an unsolved mystery? Like, do you know how this ends that I'll come this whole like podcast crime story? Is it like a, did they actually catch the person who did it? I, I, I don't remember with this one yet. I, I, I know, I know, I think it's one of those things, at least right now where we're three episodes in and at least right now, it seems like it's one of those like small town things where, kind of like everyone knows who did it but they haven't been charged for whatever reason so but i don't know it could come out brie and i have been really struggling to not it's so hard to not just like google it right you know what i mean because you want to find out what happened Man, send but, me that send me that name of that after i might actually check that out that sounds pretty good like not good like and like you know it just sounds interesting like the how yeah, they, it is how this all unfolds yeah it is it's good so yeah a lot of negative murder and, and talk and stuff like that and then other than that uh NHL playoffs and uh, and uh, baseball, which is nice. So basketball, yeah. basketball too. Yeah, I haven't watched any basketball, not for not for any reason. I just I don't have any time. But hockey looking um, crazy. The last night's game and today, and like it was nice waking up to a morning game too. So it was awesome. I I so I'm working from home and I don't have a TV in the room that I work in. So I truly am not watching the games live case my boss is listening i'm really not um but i have a tv in the room like 10 feet away so i was playing it today so that i could hear it and then if something sounded like it was happening i would like get up and run down the hall and look but 
yeah, no, it's crazy. So I love the NHL playoffs. They're 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 the best. It's not even close. I don't care what sport you watch. No, I agree. What your favorite sport is. It's not even close. The Anything NHL can happen. It's, it's nice. Yep. Anything can happen. Right. So, um, you guys already heard the trailer, but today we're going to be discussing the uh, nineteen ninety seven creature feature <laughs> classic. Cl- class, yeah, classic uh, Anaconda, starring J Lo. Uh, Ice Cube, John Voight, um, Eric Stoltz, Owen Wilson, just Danny just Trejo, who's five who. minutes. Danny Trejo, yes. Five minutes. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna be drinking. I told Joe I tried to find like a a snake uh, themed beer, but I couldn't find one, so I'm drinking this beer called Day Haze from Mighty Squirrel. I I like their other beer, so um. And it's got like kind of like a tropical feel on it. It looks kind of Amazonian a little bit. So that's what I'm drinking. It's very good. But um, yeah, we're watching we're watching Anaconda. It was my pick. <clears throat> I, a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, I was sitting like I was. I just wanted to watch a movie that you don't have to think and you just want to like laugh and whatever. And I it popped up on like Amazon Prime, I think. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. I bet you I haven't seen this movie since it came out, like since I first saw it. So I'll start watching it. And I was, I just started laughing. I was watching it by myself and I was hysterically laughing through so much of it. It was exactly what I wanted to watch is mindless, stupid, but, but like perfect for that sort of thing. Um, so that's, that's why. So then I watched it and the minute I started watching, I was like, Joe and I have to do this movie. We have to watch this movie. So what are your first memories of Anaconda? I mean, it's the last time I watched this was during the old pay-per-view days. Um, and going into this, I remembered most of the film taking place on a boat in a river. Uh, and that was mostly right. I also really enough remember John Voight's character from the start. I remember him, uh, what his overall goal is. But other than that, though, I haven't seen it in over, like, what, 15 years? So I watched it last week, and then I rewatched it today. I don't 100% understand what the movie's about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I don't either. It's so, but my but my first memory is like I don't have a like a specific one, but this is like middle school era for me. So, and this is also right as J Lo is kind of like she she had stuff before this, like you know, in Living Color and all that stuff. But this is right as she really burst onto the scene. So, it was like peak. J-Lo hotness for although she, now she's like 50 years old she's still as hot as she ever oh, was yeah, they, t- they took advantage of showing her off in the movie without a oh, doubt yeah. oh my god hey, you gotta <laughs> yep you know that's puts people in seats you know what I mean but yeah so I, I I bet you seriously when I was in middle school when this came out I was probably afraid to see this movie but I probably saw it because like someone else wanted to see it and I didn't want to look like a little baby but as everyone if you listen before I, I hate I don't like being scared in movies so I probably avoided this as much as I could, but I did eventually see it. Um, and I remember being like, I didn't remember it being so crazy, like so ridiculous. I didn't remember that, um, but I enjoyed rewatching it. So um, do you have any stats, Joe, as far as uh, how it did? I do. Uh, so Anaconda came out on April 11th, 1997, with a budget of $45 million, making $136.8 million in the box office. It was written by Hans Bauer, Jim Cash, and Jack Epps Jr., and directed by Louis Losa. Uh, Jim Cash and Jack Epps wrote Top Gun together, amongst a few other films. So nice. this was what that was. This wasn't what they were known for, thankfully. It wasn't Anaconda, <laughs> so they actually have a pretty good track record. 
while Lewis, the director, this is probably his most popular film, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I saw that somewhere. And, and I, didn't it, it cost like, did it cost $35 million to make or something like that? It was $45 million, yeah. And then they're making 136.8, which is probably because of the 90s musicians kind of selling that film, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, critically, it did, well, so I got, I, you know, my usual three. I have my IMDb score, my Rotten Tomato score, and then my Roger Ebert score. And one of these is going to shock you. So IMDb, 4.8 out of 10. That's probably right around where I would have thought it would be. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, 39%. Oh, boy, Roger, Roger Ebert, love it. 3.5 out of 4 stars. Roger. And <laughs> when, I, when I was reading it, I, like, I had to fact check myself. I was like reading a review and I'm like, that says 3.5, right? Like, am I, and then I, I ended up Googling Roger Ebert Anaconda. And this article popped up that was something like, 10 movies that like absolutely sucked that Roger, Roger, Roger Ebert loved and I was cracking out reading through. So I don't remember all of them, but like, but it was, it was so funny, but yeah, Roger Ebert, big fan of Anaconda. Wow. Um, yeah. Did I know I wasn't see, ready for that either. The same movie. Roger. Well, I don't know. Maybe we just, we don't have the trained. I was, I'm not going to say, what, I'm not going to say if I, how much I enjoy or didn't like whatever, but that seems like a really high score for Roger Ebert. <laughs> Especially where, we always say, you know, I rate movies about how much I enjoy them. If it's the stupidest movie ever, I don't, as long as it's fun to watch and whatever, I don't care. Roger Ebert's like an actual film critic. He's getting paid for this. <laughs> right, right. So, um, so yeah, it, didn't, it did, you know, mediocre on IMDb, not great on Rotten Tomatoes, but Roger Ebert loved it. So, Still um, love Roger Ebert, though. Still love Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah, he's a legend. The legend. So, other things that were going on this in, in April of 97. How's this for a month? Imagine going to the movie theater and, and in one month, these movies made their debut. So obviously Anaconda, that's the best one out of these. But um, The Saint with Val Kilmer, Chasing Amy, Jackie Brown, Gross Point Blank. Um, these last two are Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag with Joe Pesci. I know that's not like a legendary movie, but Joe Pesci and and then Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. So that's oh, quite the month for Chasing for Amy. Movies. I love I love Chasing Amy. Love that. Movie, I think Chasing though. Amy is Kevin Smith's best film. This is most like real film. I feel like it's just like very. I think it's his best film. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. But I think I think Kevin Smith has a lot of movies that are really overrated. That like even if I like them, I'm like kind of like the Fight Club thing. Like you know, spoiler spoiler alert. Fight Club's not my favorite movie, but it's not so much that it's a bad movie; it's that people talk it up so much, and then you see it, and you're like, eh. "Oh but, no!" Like, I I love Kevin Smith. Like I have his autograph. Like, I have a signed book from him and everything. Like it's I love Kevin Smith. But like you said, I think all his movies are rare. Where some of his best films aren't the most talked. Like I love Jersey Girl. I think that movie's super underrated, underappreciated. Whoa. I whoa. Love, I really enjoy Jersey Girl. Yeah, it's fine. I, and uh, it's like it's. I think I love his movies. Like if they don't have Jason and Bob in it or those characters in it. It just like it doesn't get the love it should, but that'd be another that'd be that'd be a future conversation for a Kevin Smith film at some point. Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. And so that so it's a big month uh, as far as Hollywood goes and theater goes. Um, outside of the the film world, some things that went down. Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter, he made his debut on on TV. <clears throat> um, Ellen DeGeneres came out as gay, uh, which Ellen's been in the news this week for not so 
not the greatest news, but it's okay. Uh, Mario Lemieux plays what he thinks is his last game. This is in 97. He came back three years later. Um, and then Major League Baseball retired uh, number 42 for Jackie Robinson league-wide. <clears throat> so that's a, that's a pretty cool pretty cool headline. So April of 97, between film and I tried to find some positive news uh, headlines, that was a good month. I say April so. 97. How, yeah. how many jerseys get league-wide um, retirements? Uh, in baseball, it's, it's just 42. And ho- hockey retired 99 for Gretzky. And then I think that's it. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think that's it. Wow. Yeah, I I I never thought about like a league wide retirement of a number. So that's really cool. Yeah, I have I have a Mo Vaughn jersey. It's the last. I think he was the last person to wear forty two. There might have been someone else who had. Or did did Mariano wear forty two? Oh, some Yankee fan somewhere is going to be like. I you know I uh, think I think you're right actually. I think he did wear forty two. Yeah, so he was probably the last one. Yeah, he was. He was the last one to wear it, but. Uh, Mo Vaughn was the last Red Sox player to wear it. So, yeah, it's cool. That's cool. So, yeah. Do you have the, the back of the DVD summary? I do. Anaconda is an action-packed thriller starring sexy Jennifer Lopez. That's right. They actually put that in the back there. Rap superstar Ice Cube. Academy Award winner John Voight. And Eric Stoltz, a documentary film crew headed by Steve Kale, played by Stoltz, and director Terry Flores, or Flores, ventures into the world's most isolated jungle, the Amazon, in search of a lost and forgotten civilization. Early in their journey, they come to, an, to the aid of Paul Cerrone, played by Voight, who's a guide who joins the expedition, but Cerrone is actually a poacher on the trail of a legendary snake. When Cerrone hijacks the boat and its crew on his quest to track and kill a giant snake, he steers the expedition right into the path of a deadly monster. Get ready for a wild, scare-minute thrill ride because Anaconda will grab you and take your breath away. So that plot is absolutely insane. And I thought, as I was watching it, the craziest thing is the first time I, I rewatched it, like last week or whatever it was, I, I was watching it and I, I took a phone call for like two minutes. And then I came back in. All right, look, I paid attention to the TV again. And like the whole movie had changed. And I was like, what did, what did I miss? Like it, it, so this is one of the fastest moving movies you could ever like they, they don't set anything up. Um, it's just like they're not even trying to pretend that it's an hour and a half and it it, it could have been longer and it I mean I don't want it to be because I don't want to change anything about this movie and I'll talk about that later, but some stuff was just so like random and and no development, no whatever but yeah, I, I nice. love the only, I love the only bit of uh, John Voight's backstory. We see a, a picture of him in the boat with his like fellow uh, shipmates. That's pretty much the only thing we get for backstory for John Voight's character, which is well. <laughs> and you know what I don't get is like, so we're gonna get into this again. Uh, but so John Voight plays this character. Where did they say he was from? Oh, I can't remember. It was another South American con- uh, country, I think. I can't remember, but. Um, that's gonna bother me but oh well so and john voight throughout the movie he's doing this like weird spanish accent that is always horrible but it fluctuates but like sometimes he's really trying to do it and then sometimes he just kind of sounds like a guy from like new jersey or or something like that so there was one point when i was watching it last week where he said something and i was like 
oh, I don't remember John Voight doing this horrible Spanish accent. And then the next line he said, it didn't really have an accent. So I was like, did I, did I imagine that? And then, you know, a few other people talked and then I went back to John Voight and he's like doing his full crazy Spanish accent again. I'm like, what? This is the most inconsistent thing, but it, it it's so bad that it's good. And it makes, it makes kind of the movie a little bit. So <clears throat> Joe talked about some of the, the big people coming into this movie. The biggest one is JLo. So like we said earlier, she was, she had just really broken to like the person that she is now. Um, this is towards the beginning of her film career. Obviously she had the crazy dance resume. She was like a backup dancer for new kids on the block and Janet Jackson. She was a fly girl on living in living color. She had, you know, everything going for her. She had some small, smaller acting roles before this, um, like money train. And I totally forgot Joe that she was in Jack with Robin Williams. Oh, that's right. I know. I totally forgot. And, and when I was reading through her, her filmography, I was like, I saw Jack and I was like, is this the same Jack? So I, I looked and I look, I think I Googled like Jennifer Lopez, Jack. And I was like, Oh my God. But it's because that was before you knew who she was. So you see it and you're just like, Oh, it's like a pretty, you know, whatever. 97 though was the, the year she really jumped on the big screen. So she had one year in one year, she had four movies. So she had blood and wine and U-turn. Those two were a little bit lesser known, but well, then she had, I think that was, with, yeah. was that was he snipes? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And then she had, but then she had Anaconda and Selena. Selena was like a huge thing for her. And I remember, um, cause Selena, the, huh? I used to love that movie growing up. Selena. Yeah. And Selena's life was kind of like before me a little bit. Like I, you know, like I, I missed it. So I remember I went over to my friend's house. We were supposed to go leave her parents. His, his parents are going to take us to go to a hockey game to play hockey and her mom was watching Selena and she was like, in, she was in love with it. And, and it was like the first time I heard someone like kind of say like, Oh, this, this girl, Jennifer Lopez. And uh, so she loved it. And I, and I was like, like I missed the Selena story, you know? So I was like, I don't really get the big deal of it. But in one year she had two, four, four movies, but two of them, Anaconda and Selena. So since then, I think she's kind of, had the same spot that she's in now she's she's not the greatest actress in my opinion but she's not a liability and she she doesn't ruin films you know it's it's she's she she can she can she can't carry a film but she doesn't ruin them you know what i mean right. no absolutely she, like you said she's she's been like in the same spot for a while throughout her career like you said she doesn't she doesn't like she's not a box office flop unless it's geely and she's also not like a success either but she did get a lot of uh, Oscar recognition for Hustlers recently. Yes, about, that's true. Uh, what, yeah, I think a year ago, two years ago. So that was like yeah. her final, like, that was probably like in reality for like, ser- in all seriousness, her highest point of her career is right. all the recognition right. for that film. Right. So, so that's J-Lo. That's one big name on the, on the movie poster. The real big name act, as far as like acting goes, is John Voight. And this is the weirdest. If you look through John Voight's filmography, I don't understand how this, how he agreed to do this movie. So people our age don't even think of John Boyd as like the legendary actor that he is. I don't, I don't think, but he was, he was great. He was Oscar nominated for Midnight Cowboy. Uh, He had Deliverance. He won the Academy Award for Best Actor and Coming Home. 
He was in The Champ. He was in a million movies starting in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. He was a legit like stud actor, right? And then even in the 90s, he had Heat in 95, which he was you know pretty good in. Mission Impossible in 96. And then 97 comes. And it's like, what the fuck, John Voight? And it's not even... It's not even that he took this movie. It's like how he totally mailed it in. Like, I, so we, we were just saying, I think we got sidetracked. I can't remember what country he's supposed to be from in this, in this movie. But what I was thinking about after the fact is, so if you haven't seen the movie, he, he ends up tricking them into, you know, he thinks they're trying to find like a lost city or a lost culture in South America along the Amazon, but he's really a poacher for, for snakes. And all I was thinking is like, why didn't they just make the story either hire a person with, who can do a Spanish accent or make the story that he's an American poacher and he just tricks them and gets onto their crew and he doesn't have to do the accent. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. He was, like you said, that was the oddest casting choice. And like, I think they're trying to sell his accent with his ponytail. I really do think that's like how they're trying to get away with the accent. I'm so glad you brought up the ponytail. That's such a lazy nineties movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, how's his accent? I imagine like they're, they're talking to the director and like, how's John's accent doing? And they're like, it's, it's not good. And they're like, throw a ponytail on. <laughs> uh, but um, so yeah, total out of nowhere for John Boyd. And, and it's also just like the most random cast. And I have a couple more cast members that we're going to talk about. But so J-Lo and Ice Cube, that makes sense. Like that's like they both appeal to the same like young. They both have music careers. You can see them being in a movie together. John Voight, what are you doing in this film? Eric Stoltz, who just wanted to remind you that he could have been Marty McFly. Like sit down, Eric. Get, get out of this film right. they could have cast anyone for his role he did nothing he's in a bed the entire movie right right and then owen wilson this is his third film after bottle rocket and the cable guy and it totally shows and i honestly thought i say it in a good way because i thought it was pretty cool because owen wilson isn't you know he's not gonna win i don't i mean you never know but he's not an academy award actor you don't think of him that way but he's turned into a decent actor right, and yeah. to see him in this film where he started and he's horrible in this movie. He's Absolutely. so bad. But, and I say that in like a good way, cause he's clearly worked on his craft and he's, he's gotten a lot better and what a fast moving career. Like I, I was, oh, I was looking at his, his filmography earlier and I was like, he didn't have like, you know, normally people have, you know, they'll have like one good movie and then a few iffy movies and like one kind of better movie so this is his his career in 96 he has bottle rocket and the cable guy which is i think in my opinion his best movie still bottle rocket i think rocket's like i think it's coming perfection right so and then in 97 he has anaconda and then as good as it gets like he's he's his fourth film and he's working with nicholson and then in 98 he has armageddon permanent midnight and then rushmore like it's crazy. And then so you get to 2000 and he's got Shanghai Noon and Meet the Parents. He's a legitimate superstar. So from he he didn't he didn't have that, you know, I I guess I would have thought that if I looked into Owen Wilson's career there would have been a bunch of movies in the early 90s that I just didn't remember he was in and where he was just putting in the work and whatever, but 
he hit the ground running, man. Yeah. But the person that I really want to talk about in this movie is Ice Cube. And I'm not even joking. I think he's the best performance in the in this in this I, film. I the same thing. Uh, why don't you yeah. he's, he's played he plays Friday Ice Cube, which I'm okay with. And that's pretty much that's yeah. like that's pretty much himself in general. So like I'm okay with that. And so he has boy Ice Cube has Boys in the Hood in '91, unreal movie. He has Friday in '95, this in '97, Three Kings in '99, which I think is an underrated movie. It's not a, it's not an, it's not a great movie, but I think it's a good movie. I'm going to say something. Ice Cube is not a bad actor. He's not, he's not great, but he knows what he can do and he does it. And that's, that's, I think that's half of being a successful Hollywood actor is like knowing when to say no and knowing like, I'm John Void. I shouldn't play the jungle man who like hunts anacondas and has a Spanish accent. I should play John Void roles. I should be in Mission Impossible and all that stuff. But yeah, I was, Given the competition wasn't too stiff, but I think Ice Cube was the best actor in this. Oh no! In this film. I think the '90s like rappers who turned the actors are pretty good. Like I think between him and LL Cool J, I think they're both like for the '90s. Like I think they're both pretty fun to watch. Like obviously they're not gonna, I'm not gonna put them up on like you saw on any pedestals for awards, but they like Deep Blue Sea, LL Cool J, and then Anaconda, Ice Cube are two fun roles to watch for sure. I I agree that LL Cool J is is not bad, but I think I think he I think Ice Cube's a significant amount better than than LL cool I enjoy J. his I enjoy Ice Cube's movies more. Like I love Friday and Next Friday, and I love those films. And Boys in the Hood, right. like he said he has he has a more he has a yeah. wider range of acting. Right. So, <clears throat> so some some behind the scenes like kind of trivia facts. Did you have a couple you wanted to go through or no? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, so I have one that I found which is interesting online accidentally when I was just doing some research on this. So apparently the animatronic snake almost killed j-lo in the film wow um, yeah i know can you imagine a world without j-lo so and i guess uh last year ice cube appeared on barstool sports por- uh, podcast and he said that the snake was an animatronic thing you know way about a ton it was hooked up to this computer and one day the snake malfunctioned and almost killed jennifer lopez on the set they couldn't stop it and just started tearing up the set and they said so we we're really terrifying scared, right and then he, he ends it with us. Uh, so we were really scared of this damn thing. It's thick and it's made of metal wrapped in like a tire. So it's hard as shit. And we was like, yo, this thing is just going to malfunction and bust my nose open because it just went crazy. Damn fake snake. Just hearing about this like out of control thing that weighs a ton, just kind of wrecking the set is a scary thing to picture. So you saying that just made me think of an early memory with this movie. And that is... I got into like, not a, not an angry argument, but like a friendly debate with my friend, Matt, because we were, we, 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 I don't know if you're we watching it or we had both seen it and we were just talking about it. And my friend, Matt was like, uh, he's like, yeah, but like anacondas don't really get that big. And I'm like, so what, what, so say in the movie, they make the anaconda be 40 feet long, right? Or 50 feet long, whatever it's still scary as shit if an anaconda is 20 feet long. <laughs> like it's, he was, he was saying in a way that was like, yeah, but I'm not afraid of anacondas. They don't really get that big. I'm like, dude, they get plenty big enough to eat crocodiles. And like, <laughs> they definitely eat you. So, and I, I think what this movie did that, what makes this movie like a seriously, a good choice that it did was they made the anaconda bigger than reality. Like they stretched it a little bit, 
or maybe even a lot of it, but it wasn't like King Kong, Godzilla. Right. Um, it's similar to Jaws. Like people will tell you in Jaws. Well, oh, let me be clear. No, this, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I compare with Jaws too, but like not like as of like what what could have done better than you right, know, right. This specific little thing I'm about to say is similar to Jaws. Is the shark in Jaws bigger than the biggest great white shark? Yeah, by a little bit. It's, but it's not, it's not unrealistic. It's not like they made a shark that's like the size of the Titanic that's eating entire cruise ships by, its, by itself. It's, it's, it's a little bit bigger. So it's scary as shit in the movie. And you're, and you're like, yeah, there are snakes that are like close to that big out there. And that's, that's terrifying. And I also, as far as snake size goes, I, whatever we think the biggest snake is, and this goes for like sharks, crocodiles, especially in a place like the Amazon, I bet you there's whatever we have as like the biggest one ever. I bet you, you can at least add like five or 10 feet to that. Cause it's, that's a crazy place. Man. Oh yeah. And I was looking up anacondas out of curiosity while watching this movie. And I think they said there's four different types of anacondas, which just thinking about is terrifying. Like the fact that they just can like make one anaconda and like have them like just kind of be that that's it. There's actually four yeah. different types of anacondas. So the, the Amazon, I've never been anywhere near the Amazon. But the Amazon is the most terrifying place to me. Like, because it's, everything kills you. Like everything. snakes, crocodiles. <laughs> Mosquitoes. Bugs. Right, right. This is like everything. It's like, I don't know how anyone, the, in all seriousness, I don't know how human beings, how there are any tribes that, or people that came out of that place. It's but, wild. And I heard somewhere recently too that the Amazon, if you, if you put it on a map, that the Amazon's like the size of, I want to say it's like the size of, or the Amazon, or like the value, or the, the land value that it covers is like the size of, I want to say like Texas or like the continental United States. It's one of the, it's some huge, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, they're, and, and they're going through some controversy too because a lot of it's being torn up now. So it's like, they're trying oh. to fight, they're trying to fight for that too over there right now. It's scary stuff. Yeah, yeah um, no, it's, it's scary. Speaking of anacondas too, I thought this was <laughs> something else. The CGI for the anacondas cost $100,000 per second. I saw that. So Nuts. just thinking, and, and like looking at it now, the CGI is aged so poorly versus the animatronic scenes. Like you can see the difference between when they're showing the animatronic snake in the movie and then the CGI, it was day and night. It was unreal. So like the fact that they were spent 100 grand a second on the CGI for that, poor bastards. And the final little tip that I have is I just happened to find this myself when I was watching the casting of the crest in the movie apparently uh, frank welker did the voice for the anaconda which is interesting because frank welker is a super well-known voice actor who is probably most famous for uh fred from scooby-doo the cartoons in the 60s and 70s whatever and he's also done he's he's still consistently working with like transformers movies and anything but yeah. the fact that they got a big name like that to play Ooh, the voice snake. of it uh, right who makes like a I lost one time I probably could have recycled or fell online. It's like you use over and over again. So yep. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is, yeah. No, and I saw that thing about the hundred thousand dollar that that's that's crazy. So it's a pity. <laughs> the, yeah. What a waste of, of money. But the so the facts that I have, these are all like casting possibilities. So I should say that these are rumors. Like I I, I these are things I just found on like IMDB and whatever so it could be hearsay it could be like he said uh, she said stuff but so i want to go like through some of the big the big cast 
uh, members or yeah. And give you some of the names that were also linked to that person. So we can start off with uh, Terry Flores, which is JLo's character. So here are some other um, people. Juliana Margulies turned down the role. And then some other people that were linked to this J-Lo character. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Kate Beckinsale, Kate Beckinsale, yeah. Nicole Kidman, Kim Basinger, and Sandra Bullock were all considered. I I don't know that they turned it down, but they were all considered. So out of those people, so you got Juliana Margulies, Jennifer Aniston, Kate Beckinsale, uh, Nicole Kidman, Kim Basinger, and Sandra Bullock. Out of those, the only two that I could even see doing that are my two picks would be Sandra Bullock and Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, oh, I, I can see Sandra Bullock for sure. I actually read that same. I wish I read a list like that too, who added Julian Anderson as well to the possible choices of playing uh, Jill's character, which. Thankfully, she turned down because again, she was doing the X Files that time. But she's just become yes. the, she's she's become like one of like the most she's a well loved actress. So like I feel like this movie like she's a pretty good track record. I feel like this would have just brought that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I think Jennifer Aniston, Nicole Kidman, they're too like I don't believe that they'd be down to like go to the jungle and like scrape up their knees and get dirty and you know what I mean. I do have to say though, uh, J Lo for all the shit I kind of like talk about. She wasn't the worst part of this movie either. So it's like she, no. she, she did. She like she. There's a lot. There's a lot wrong with this movie. Like she was not one of the things I felt like. You know, well, was a and the, the thing is, <clears throat> I think the casting of this movie is the weirdest casting, maybe ever in any movie I've ever seen. That said, you could have picked every role right, and it wouldn't fix the huge flaws in the plot the the dialogue was horrible <laughs> like you, you so you could have we could go through this list and i have a few more roles and possible people that were tied to each one you could pick out the perfect one for each role and get all the chemistry in the world it doesn't matter that, that you you know it, it's it's it wasn't going to happen so <clears throat> for so Cerrone's character so john boyd's character here are some names that were considered or tied to it rumored the first one is probably would have been my favorite jean renault so he's a big one other ones that were rumored to be tied to it sean connery no effing way tommy lee jones and i guess sean connery and tommy Lee jones supposedly turned it down so they were offered it turned it down john malkovich and and then these are just people that were rumored to be thought of John Malkovich, Kirk Douglas, Liam Neeson, Harrison Ford, Martin Sheen, and Jack Nicholson. Well, they really, they really <laughs> reached those stars, didn't they? They're like, who, well, are, who are all the A-list actors we can get our hands right. on in the 90s? <laughs> I wish I could have been there when they offered Harrison Ford this role and he just like laughed in their face. Like they, they were like, so the deal is you go, you're floating down the Amazon <laughs> with J-Lo and Ice Cube and this giant snake and he's like, I'm Harrison Ford. I'm Indiana Jones. Um, you know, I'm Han Solo. Get out of my face. I just, I just did the fugitive and, you know, clear and present danger. And right. Is it Air Force One? Like, wasn't that like pretty close this time frame to when that come out? Air Force One? Harrison Ford. I've honestly, Air Force One was 98, but it, okay. it was right around. Yeah. So he's like, I'm looking at this role where I can be the president of the United States 
and like fight terrorists or I can float down a river and, and they really did film this in not all of it, but in Brazil, I think. So it's like, you're, you, that, that sounds miserable. Like yeah. That, you know, you know, it's so. funny, you know, it's funny too on that note, going back to ice cube, uh, when he was asked why he wanted to be in the film, cubes answer was simple. He said the black man didn't die. That was it. And he gets to kill a cycle with uh, Jennifer Lopez. And that was the reasoning why ice cube wanted to be in the film. I'm like, Hey, those are good sales, I guess. That's fair. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this film was, uh, watching ice cube in the chuck taylor's the whole time i'm like why if you're going to the amazon where everything's going to be wet and like hot and 700 degrees and humid or would you wear like long socks and then chuck taylor shoes (laughs) but you know ice cube pulls it off that's why he's ice cube and i'm a scrub so (laughs) um so speaking of ice cube so danny rich's character so i have two other names that were tied to this and they're polar opposites the first one will smith all right i could see that i think acting wise will smith was a little bit above this at that at that point in his career but i could see it second one total 180 bill murray was considered for the role bill murray probably told him to go f themselves but um speaking of will smith did you hear that they're working on a reboot for the fresh prince I did as a drama series. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just, it just happened to think of it when I read that, but that's so. really so. Isn't that what, uh, I could be wrong about this now. Isn't that when his album came out, which is actually pretty, I was talking about with my brother the day, the Will Smith, big, uh, is that a big, big Willie style, big Willie style. Yes. Didn't that come out like in the that sounds about 96, right. 97. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. So he had other things going on. So Ice Cube got the role. So good for him. <clears throat> and then the last one, Stephen Kale or Dr. Stephen Kale, as he's credited, Eric Stoltz. Other people tied to this role. And how weird is this? Michael J. Fox was supposedly considered for the role. But that didn't make sense because one of the movies that we talked about with Michael J. It must have been Back to the Future. I feel like in my research for it, by this time, they were already kind of starting to realize that he had um, Parkinson's. Parkinson's. And so like... I don't, that could not be true. But so some other names that were reportedly tied to it. Ben Stiller, Ray Romano, Billy Crystal, Dennis Quaid, and Dave Foley. Out of those people, who would you like to play Stephen Kale? Dave Foley. Oh, really? I thought Dennis <laughs> no, Quaid. More of a joke. No, that's, yeah, no. Dennis Quaid would probably be, like you, like you said, a realistic <clears throat> Dave, choice. Dave Foley, though, is one of those people um, – when you see him interviewed, he's he's real deal funny. Like he he's just a funny funny guy. And and a lot of other actors, I always they, I think it means something when other comedians or other actors are like, oh that guy is so funny. And everyone I ever hear talk about Dave Foley say he's like the funniest bastard in the world. Dave so. Foley's too good for this. I feel like he's just he's just too good for it. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> so that's about it as far as random facts and casting possibilities, but. Um, did you have anything written down for stuff that wouldn't fly today in 2020? Wouldn't get. You've already, touched, you've already touched upon it when we were talking about this a little while ago. Is probably the only thing I had was John Voight as a character, his accents, yep. and who he was portraying in the movie. That's probably that that wouldn't that wouldn't fly. They would actually cast someone, obviously. With yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And it's so easy to fix. Like just make them American one, or or have someone else play it. Or do some story where, like, 
he was born in Brazil or wherever you want to say, and then raised in America. Like there's a million things you could do or have him learn how to do an accent. I don't, I honestly think it would be that hard. I mean, it would be an accent that people in South America would be like, that's the worst accent ever, but it would pass for like us. But yeah. And then the other thing he did too was he had these weird moments where he would like stare at Jennifer Lopez. Oh my God. I made a note of that. Yes. His blank stares happened like four times in the movie and they were all hilarious. <laughs> I was losing it. Each, each one just got better and better too. <laughs> and if you're a JLo, you got to be like, man, I wish they picked like Harrison Ford or like <laughs> some good looking, like a, a, an actor who's older and maybe they like try to make him dirtier. They try to dirty him up. Like they try to scuff him up a little bit, but deep down, you know, like, oh, that's still, that's still Antonio Banderas. I know he's a good looking dude, but you're like, you got John Voight just like eyeing you up and down. It's like, oh my God, I give her credit for not like being like, all right, cut. I can't finish this scene. <laughs> um, yeah. So J- John Voight pretty much was the same thing. I, other than that, I didn't really wasn't really bothered by anything i did think it was weird this didn't bother me but i thought it was like a a weird um just like thing in the plot how the director or whatever he was whoever the whoever the or always the narrator the guy who was launching golf balls off the boat jonathan hyde yeah yeah he's like so we're gonna go down and film this documentary about the tribes of the amazon and this beautiful land and i'm gonna launch golf balls (laughs) off the boat I will say, Jonathan Hyde, I actually enjoyed his character in the movie. He was probably, like, I think, like, for comic relief, he, he was pretty good in it. At first, he pissed me off. But once he, like, once it was only him left with Danny and uh, Jill's character, yeah. he became a lot better, I thought. And I know his character in the movie, he, he you know, he, was, <clears throat> he had an accent. That's pretty much, like, why he was there. But I was thinking, I was like, I wish that that was an American doing that. Because that would be the most American thing ever to go down to the Amazon and be like... Yeah, we're going to make a bunch of money off filming a documentary about this land and then just like cripple the ecosystem by launching Titleist golf balls. Into the, and then like, you know what I mean? You find out that like birds are choking on them and, you, you know, it, yeah, I was like, what are you doing, dude? So, yeah, I agree with that. Other than other than that, I didn't other than John Voight and his horrible accent, I didn't have anything that really wouldn't fly in today's environment. Um, what do you have down for your your favorite scene? So this is kind of going to, going to go hint to him with what I don't like about the film. Uh, I'll, t- I'll touch on that in a second. But I like the end fight scene with the snake. While stupid, yes. It was the kind of stupid I thought I was signing up for the entire time. Uh, 100%. It, it was a fun scene that definitely went, it went a little longer than I probably should have. There was like four different incarnations of the snake. But it was fun. And the anaconda looked really good during the close-ups and a lot of the scenes where you could see the detail in the animatronic snake. A lot of CGI, however, like we just talked about, didn't did not age very well. And the camera shot um, from the inside of the mouth, I thought was super cool when we see uh, I th- was it John Voight's character, I think, in the end being get swallowed. Get swallowed. I thought it was a, such a cool shot, like from that from the at uh, from that angle. That was so weird. Um, it was so weird, but it was it was different. Like the some of the camera shots for whatever reason, I hit when the director was going sideways multiple times <laughs> with the camera. I'm like, what is the what is he trying to get across? Like I don't understand what the what his choice is for that vision of making this camera go sideways. So out of all the yeah. camera shots, that was like a pretty unique, pretty unique one. Um, you know what, real quick, you know who I would love to watch this movie with <clears throat> is uh, Joe and I, when we worked at the video rental store, we worked with this girl, Alana, who worked her other part-time job where she worked at like a exotic reptile, like 
store, I guess you'd call it. I don't, I don't really know, but she was an expert on any animal. You could send her a picture. You could find any animal and send her a picture of it. And she'd be like, Oh, that's the Eastern Massachusetts, like Brown snake. It, but, and she, and then you could fact check it and she's a hundred percent right. So watching this movie with her would either be the greatest experience of all time or the worst experience. We, of all have, time. We, she, we have a lot more things we change for sure with, she'd be yes. like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Th- that would never happen. <laughs> Thankfully, Ice Cube acted like Ice Cube off of Friday, a.k.a. himself. It was one of the shining moments of the film. Jonathan Hyde, who we just talked about, who played the actor in the movie, was all, or the narrator in the movie, was also pretty good, I thought. So, favorite scene, while brief, it was still a pretty fun 15 or so minutes. Yep. Yep. So, you mean the, the, the Anaconda fight scene at the, the end? The end scene, yeah, between when it was just Danny and J-Lo. I had the same thing. I had, you know, I love the fight scene where, where John Boyd meets his death. And a few like little things that just crack me up. So I love how at first when he's climbing up the ladder, the 50 foot or whatever it is, Anaconda like goes up and bites him on the shoulder and he goes, ah, he makes like a noise. Like I would, if I got stung by a bee or if like a mosquito bit me, he's like, ah, (laughs) like it's like not a big deal. And then he almost gets away because the ladder falls and it lands on both of them. And for some reason, the anaconda lets him go. Which, like those things, there are pictures online where an anaconda and a crocodile eat, both die because, like, neither one of them will let let go. But the anaconda let go when a ladder fell on him, so that was a little bit weird. So he he gets a chance to get up and get away, but then Ice Cube kicks a net in front of him, and John Voight like straight up can't figure out how to get away <laughs> get around the net. And then the anaconda finally gets him. And in that moment, the special effects of it wrapping him up are so bad that it's amazing. Uh, and then, yeah, him getting sucked down the anaconda's throat only to be thrown up. And then... And <laughs> winking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, the anaconda's like, I got you, J-Lo. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, that was, oh that was pretty God. much it. That was funny. Everything that's like went through, and sh- like, you know, being on fire and shit, what it takes is an ax to the head three or four times. That's what does it. That's what does it in the end. So it's like, if they, yeah, so it's like after everything they've been through, that's all I had to do was him in the head. Just stab times. it. So like with the, all right, yeah. that's all it took. Yeah. I didn't have anything written down for, for soundtrack. Did you have anything written down? I had, uh, I wrote down, was there a soundtrack to this film? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. That's what I put. That answer, that pretty much says it all. <laughs> not really a, a factor either way. So um, this is a tough one. If you could change one thing, or you can list more than one thing. If you could change anything about the film, what would you what would you change? All right. I mean, let's be real. I got a lot of things I change. All right. So for an eighty-nine minute movie, I felt that was even too long at times. The very first thing we the viewer sees on the screen is a brief description of an anaconda. I'm like, what it is it? Tell us like what it is. I'm like, okay, is this, 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 this I'm like, we're in for a real goddamn treat right now, all right? So between yeah. this and you know the film being called Anaconda, I thought it would be like Jaws, except with the fucking snake, all right. But we got nothing like that. We, the bigger focus here is John Voight's character, who, by the way, has some of the funniest blank stares I've ever seen in a film. Oh my god! Um, what was this? What, like, why was this movie just about people trying to survive a giant snake? Well, that part is like simple. It would have been a lot more fun than this. And there being, I thought, um, and then most of the acting is awful. 
I put, yep. I can't remember any characters' names in the movie other than Mateo and Danny. That's because they're being yelled at constantly. So it's like, those are the only two names. Mateo! I, I, <laughs> the only two names I remember from the movie. I, other than that, I call, them, I call each character by their actual real name, like J-Lo, yep. Jonathan Hyde. I don't know their, I don't know their names. Yep. Um, I also really loved during the scenes when the camera zooms out looking over the boat in the water. There's a couple mm-hmm. of times where the main path is clearly blocked by the trees or a large patch of actual like land and grass. How the filmmakers solve this problem? They fade the screen out and move forward. So it's like we don't even see how they overcome this obstacle. It's like yeah. holy shit, we don't, don't, worry, about don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But man, this movie not being about just a snake was the biggest problem. It should have been that should have been like the enemy. I thought <laughs> John Voight's whole character should have just been gone, burned out, not not existent. So, for my if I could change one thing, I want to spin off what you just said for one second because you brought up Jaws. In this movie, you should, when you watch this movie, you should realize how great Jaws is. And not that Jaws needs like any, you know, it doesn't need any help. But what Spielberg did with nothing compared to this, it's, you know, given like they obviously he had a lot better cast. But other than that, like an anaconda is just as terrifying as a as a great white shark or pretty close to it so just like i said this movie went wrong did everything wrong that jaws did right and then more jaws did more right but so i had for if i could change anything i had uh i had that it sounds crazy but that's actually hard to answer because to make this a good film kind of like you said you need to change like a million things and right now the appeal of of anaconda is that it's so bad it's entertaining so i don't want to improve anything (laughs) because that's like too much work for one and also right now it's it's in the spot where it's so bad that it's good and i don't want to bump it up to a little bit better but still a horrible movie but to play by the rules if I could make one move to employ, uh, improve the film, I have two things written down. The first one is I'd cut Eric Stoltz and, and give Dennis Quaid the, the, the role. Absolutely. Yeah. I was actually, actually going to write that down, but you just brought up so I'm happy you did. Eric yeah. Stoltz had the worst believable romance I've ever seen in a film. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, her and Danny were a better match. Eric Stoltz just came out of nowhere. Like, in the beginning, you think, like, he hired her, obviously, for her looks, because it's like, it's like a scumbag movie with her, like, in the one in the cabin talking. And then you see him later on, and she's, he's like, I miss you. And they kiss. I'm like, what the hell just happened? And, <laughs> yeah. And another thing. So, J-Lo, I don't want to knock on J-Lo, but she's supposed to be, like, her thing is, in this situation, she's supposed to be the director, right? I didn't see her give one order or make one decision <laughs> because the entire hired, time. She was hired for a look. So that's like, I feel like that was like <laughs> very clear. That was, like, that was, that was supposed it. to be like that. At one point she says something like, this is going to be like, this is going to be my big break. And I'm like, you haven't even done anything. Like it's, it's, you know, right, oh, whatever. Like, and, and like, I, I feel like that, I don't know if it was like meant to be creepy or not, but the opening scene with her and like in our little cabin area, when he's talking to her, I feel like, whether Eric Stoltz's character is being a creep or not, he like very much said like, it's like he's like always oh, like you were the best choice for this job, but like he's like very much hitting on her while yeah. he's talking to her about this directing job. <clears throat> right, and that's something that's all as with I, I think everyone already knew, but it's even more known over the past year or two in Hollywood. That's something that's all too real that you can yeah. you know if you're someone in power you can put 
girls or guys or whoever in, in a in a pretty crappy spot but who knows but and then the other so eric stoltz get out of here if dennis quaid was available and down get, give me dennis quaid another thing more danny trejo is always good make danny trejo one of the main cast members not just some guy that offs himself in like the intro of the film i love danny trejo work him into it you had the 50 people you couldn't you couldn't got, you got rid of that girl that owen wilson was hooking up with or like you, you got plenty of room in the boat give me danny trejo so no, i agree <clears throat> with that said it's time to give the scores if you listen to the podcast before you know we rate films on a scale of one to five uh would you would you pay a late fee to keep this movie so a score of one is you rent the movie you get to the intro where danny trejo shoots himself and you're like, there's no Danny Trejo. I'm returning this movie. I, I rented it to watch Danny Trejo because you don't want to pay a late fee. You're done. A five is you watch the whole movie. You keep it an extra day or two or three because you want to watch it again, share it with friends. You don't care about paying a late fee. Maybe even just buy it from from the store so you can keep it. So, Joe, on a scale of one to five, what are you giving Anaconda? 1.5. I think this movie was a mess. <laughs> Like I, I went into this movie hoping it would be like a fun mess, but I thought it was just, I thought it was dragged on for a short run time. I thought it was too long, which is crazy to say, but I watched this with my brother and I remember liking it when it first came out years and years and years ago, but that was clearly, that was a long time ago and I was a lot younger. The moment this movie ended, I just looked at him and I was like, that was awful. Like that was, those were my words. I was like, this, this sucked. <laughs> like, like why was John Voight a bigger villain than the actual Anaconda this could have been a dumb popcorn flick but instead of it being an 89 minute drag I thought make this movie about a giant snake for 89 minutes and I'm on board I would love because everything bad I have to say about this movie well no that's not true I have a lot of bad things to say about this movie but if the John Voight character was different even if the plot was the same I would love to see how it would roll but so I, one of my fun facts that I wrote down, I saved for, for this part uh, where we give our scores. And, and that is that the film is listed among the 100 most enjoyable bad movies ever made in Golden Raspberry Award founder John Wilson's book, the, the official Razzie movie guide. So this movie is bad, real bad, um, but it is entertaining to me. And I also didn't remember it being that bad, but I think I, I think when I, if I had thought about doing it on the podcast before I did it, before I watched it, I think I would have thought I was going to watch it. It was going to be a bad action movie and I'd give it like a 1.5 or a two. I'm actually giving this movie a 2.5 because <laughs> for me, it was, it was just so entertaining. It was so bad. It was entertaining. So so that's it. It's it's a one point uh, two, one point five for you, right? Yep. Two point five for me. Hour and a half, if you want to have a beer and watch it, or five beers or whatever, I, I recommend it. It's a good it's a good laugh. So, <clears throat> speaking of beer, Day Hayes from uh, Mighty Squirrel is very good. Perfect choice for this um, for this movie. Is that um, heavy? Is that a heavy beer or a light beer? No, it's it's funny. It's a it's an IPA, but I've been drinking so much double IPA that I, when I first took a sip of it, I was like, what does this taste like? And it's like a, a less intense, you know, like they make cloud candy. It's like similar to cloud candy, but not as like strong or, or, you know, same thing with like flume or whatever like that. So very good. Definitely recommend it if you can, if you can find it. I think, I don't remember. We, I always look this up. I'm like, where are they? I know they're close to us. They're in Waltham. 
Oh, wait. I think they're in Waltham, Mass. I don't know. Yeah, they're in Waltham. So if you're in the Massachusetts, New Hampshire, <clears throat> probably Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New England area, pick some up. So <clears throat> follow us on Instagram if you want to send in a suggestion. We're worth a late fee. Uh, suggestions are always welcome. We'll be on uh, next week, and we're uh, it's Joe's pick next week. So he's going to give his pick here in a second unless you send us a message and cut him off and get your suggestion in. But if no one sends a suggestion, Joe, what is your uh, next pick? Me, myself, and Irene. Jim Carrey, if I remember, kind of shows off his body language and the be- the best in that film. Um, I'm always plugging this, but uh, so Conan O'Brien's podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, comes out every Monday morning. And he was doing this like summer thing where he wasn't hosting, he wasn't interviewing celebrities for the summer, but they just had, I think it was the first episode this week, and they had Jim Carrey on it. And um, I definitely recommend giving it a listen he's he seems like one of those guys who is always looking to make people laugh it's not like an actor who you know he can turn it on and be funny he seems like he's kind of always in character and he's cracking conan up and uh, yeah so I'm, I'm excited for this so it's, it's a shame his series just got canceled on showtime his uh, tv series oh really i guess he just yeah. released a book and it's getting good um this sounds like a cool idea for a book so he, he writes this book where it's a story of hollywood and he uses real characters but he exaggerates like he basically picks out some stereotypes in hollywood you should everyone should just listen to the conan podcast because he'll give you like a much better description and summary than me but um he picks out some like hollywood stereotypes and then he uh, he ties them to real celebrities so he'll say like oh like Nicolas Cage always like he's like the he does this and and he it's like a an over dramatized version of Hollywood with it's a crazy situations and it's supposed to be pretty good Conan loved it Conan wrote him a letter I guess when he read it oh and, cool that's awesome yeah. yeah so check it out but his his new series well it got canceled but he uh worked with uh Gondry they did Eternal Sunshine Spot's Mind together so oh, really? it was like they're like reunion. It went two seasons. Like I think it was like a take on like a, like a, a serious kind of spoof, I guess, uh, on like the whole puppets and Sesame Street type show. Yep. Where like he's you know he's, they like doing a show like that, but it's more about his personal life and all that. But it's it looked really good. It's, and I never was marketed enough to, I feel like reach a wider audience, which is a shame. But he he's a weird, he's he's a tough guy too. Like. He either, he seems to either hit everything out of the park or like because he's he's just different and if you don't his sense of humor is different and if you don't if it doesn't line up with you it's it's not many people not many of his movies are like oh, I kind of liked it it's either like people love it or they hate it so I I could get that I could see that so but me myself and Irene I'm excited that's that sounds like a good pick so yeah all right we'll, we'll be back next episode um, with me myself and Irene I can guarantee. It will be better than Anaconda. Looking forward to it. And (laughs) thank you guys very much for listening. Thanks, guys.